What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Earlier this week, we spoke to two former staff attorneys from the office of ousted San Francisco District Attorney Tessa Boudin about the newly appointed and much, much less progressive Brooke Jenkins. One of the fallouts, if you will, of her administration is the continued postponement until after Election Day of several cases of police misconduct. One of those cases is that of Keita O'Neill, who was unarmed when he was murdered by the San Francisco Police Department on December 1st, 2017. In November 2020, then-District Attorney Chesa Boudin filed felony criminal charges against SFPD Officer Samoya for voluntary and involuntary manslaughter, excessive force, and assault with a firearm. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors granted O'Neill's mother a $2.5 million settlement. We are joined today by Keita Icky O'Neill's aunt, April Green. Good morning, April. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. And I just want to acknowledge, I know that talking about this is difficult. Uh, so take your time. Uh, Thank you for having me I, on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything uh, that we can do um, to, to support you in, in the walk uh, to get justice for your nephew. I always, April, want to start with who who we're talking about as a person, right? Because Keita was more than just what happened to him at the hands of the SF uh, Police Department. So can you talk to us about who he was? Yes. He was, he, he was a son. He was a nephew. Um, he, he's my sister, Judy O'Neill's. She's my oldest sister. This is her only child. Um, when his life was taken, there's no grandchildren. There's nothing else for her. He was her life. He, you know, he, he had issues, but it didn't warrant that he should have been murdered, that he should have been murdered. He did need some help, you know, but he did, shouldn't have been murdered. It doesn't justify him being murdered by the police department. Well, I'll just tell you that the philosophy of APTP uh, is I, I don't care what he was doing at the time. In theory, America has a judicial system, which means people get to go to court um, and, and go through a process. Uh, police are not supposed to be judge juries and executioners. Walk us through, April, what happened on December 1st, 2017. Um, in the criminal case, we are talking about 0.39 seconds is what the criminal case is looking at. I did meet with D.A. Brooke Jenkins and William Darby. I heard. August 21st, August 24th. At the time, John Conjure, James Conjure, was the D.A. assigned to the case who I became very familiar with and very comfortable with as the D.A. And he was removed suddenly before our meeting. Fortunate for me, I did have an attorney go with me named Neil Hallinan. I'm so grateful he did. I was very nervous to go attend alone. Didn't understand why the change had occurred so quickly. Um, but in that meeting, there were some things that were said that is concerning to me. That, um, that Darby said and Jenkins said. 
Jenkins did want me to, she did say they were committed to the family, me and my family, but I feel very disconnected from them as well. Um, there has been no follow through, promises were made, and we are still just sitting here. I've never felt so outside as I do now. I feel like I'm outside looking in, and it's my case happening, my nephew's case, and I can't, and I'm not attached anymore. And I didn't feel that way when Chesa, Chesa was in office. He was very hands-on, his staff. It's enough when you're a victim and going through changes that you already feel by yourself. But they always were there and available when I had questions. James was very hands-on. I didn't have to ask questions. I didn't have to. They, they informed me of court dates. They kept me in the loop. And that was the first time you had the DA's office really do that from my understanding. But something Darby said... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, well, I was just going to point out, yeah, te, yeah, Tessa was the first uh, DA to ever prosecute police in the city of San Francisco. Yes. So, yes, it very unusual. And, but go ahead, Darby said what? So, you're right. Chasa, he got in contact with me, and um, and you're right, it's the first case, and it happens to be my nephew, Kate Day O'Neill. He was, he was murdered December 1st of 2017 by Officer Samuela. He, um, he took his, we're talking 0.39 seconds here. He took his foot off the pedal of the van, left it running, and he was trying to go by, and they hit him with a car, the car. And then he was dead within 0.39 seconds. There are videos that I'm not understanding why the public is not seeing them. I'm trying to get them out. And one is when he was shot, he was still trying to get up and lifting off the ground. And the officers didn't even try to come to his help to help him before he died. They didn't even try to resuscitate him. They just stood around. The other thing is there is a video of the officer I call police arrest. After he shot my nephew, he still had his gun out. And even the officer, Tulasan, or Tulasan, whatever his name, and the training officer, he took his gun from him and sat him in a police car because he was the only one that had his gun out. The other officers did not have their gun out. No one felt there was a threat. There's things that's not being said in the case, and the reason I'm familiar with the case is because I was part of the civil, and I retained the file, I retained the videos. So I know this case very well. I've been heavily involved. Darby said something to me that concerned me, because she acknowledged that these two videos exist. And I told her the public has a right to see them. She said, but in order for them to pursue a case, they need proof beyond a reasonable doubt and then some. And when she said the then some, that concerned me because burden, proof of burden of a reasonable doubt is already the highest burden of law. That's all she ever needed when she did her other conviction. So I wanted to understand why does this officer, this person is entitled to a higher burden of proof than anyone else that has ever committed a crime? Because if it was my nephew that had shot that officer in the line of duty and killed him, he would be on death row right now. 
So I'm trying to understand this officer is walking away free, walking away his everyday life, and there's been no accountability. And why is he given a higher burden of proof? And well, even I can answer a piece of that for you, April. Um, no, you're fine. I can answer a piece of that for you. Um, and that part of the reason is the Peace Officers Bill of Rights. Um, most states in America have some version of that. And it does exactly what you're talking about. It, it makes it very difficult for DAs to charge police officers. It gives them unprecedented levels of protection for, um, from accountability. And one of the conversations that Chessa and I had a lot, right, because I supported him and I, and I held him to account for what he said he was going to do. One of the reasons why it took so long for him to start charging and he didn't charge all of the cases was because he did have to establish that higher burden. But the point with your cases is that the fact that Officer Samoya was ever charged means that that work has already been done for D.A. Jenkins. Yes. Uh, even Jenkins, she acknowledged that I told her that he was the only officer that even had his gun out because all the other officers knew there was not a situation that warranted the use of force. She acknowledged that. She said that my nephew's case is like no other when all officers unload their firearms Together, Samuel was the only one with his gun out. April, we've got to wrap this up. Uh, do you have, I mean, there's community concerns for sure. Are you concerned that after the election, should Brooke Jenkins uh, keep her seat, that she will dismiss your nephew's case? I'm very worried because she made some promises and didn't hasn't followed through to meet with me again. I've asked for the case to be put back on the calendar as a preliminary hearing. I don't believe we need to start over. And I feel like it's been over three weeks and my attorney is not getting responses. We feel we're just being pushed back. I am worried. How can the community support you? Any way you can to be a voice. I'm trying to get a meeting with her again. I feel the door is being closed. All right, April, we will continue to cover this on our show and have you back if you're willing to come. I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me, and I am willing to come. The more people to support and the more voices, then my nephew's case cannot be, they can't do it under, they have to, if they're going to dismiss him, they're going to have to do it in the open. That's right. We've been speaking to April Green, the aunt of Kita Icky O'Neill, who was murdered by the San Francisco Police Department on December 1st, 2017. His case has been postponed by newly appointed San Francisco District Attorney Brooke Jenkins. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. 
our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.